have a million things to say. You ever been there? You ever been there? Me, um, let me just take a second talk about a couple of things. Every gathering has to have protocol. Every gathering is gonna be full of people who are feeling or hearing God say something. You see what I'm saying? But we have to, we have, to have some level of protocol. There's nothing wrong with decent and in order. Now, I bring it up because I've, I've had several people come to me today. And one of the most important things that you'll, you need to understand about me is I guard the house. The Bible says, know them that labor among you. So I've got people that I've known for years that I'm not necessarily going to turn loose yet because the house doesn't know them. You understand what I'm saying? So if you come to me and I give you a no, you can't take that personally. I have to, number one, number one and foremost, this is the most important thing. If we feel, because this is a prophetic community, we have a prophetic community, a very prophetic community. I don't think, we're an apostolic environment, but we have a very prophetic community. We're not, we don't have a shortage of people that, are, that can hear from God. Are you listening? But as the apostle of the house, I'm a facilitator and I'm a moderator and I'm a monitor. I have to monitor the flow of the spirit to make sure that if someone has a word from the Lord, it fits the general direction that God is taking us. Does that make sense? Because if the Holy Spirit is taking us corporately in a certain direction, he's not suddenly going to take a sharp stage right turn and go in a different direction that could affect the whole atmosphere. So you just have to be patient. If you're sitting on something, if you're like me, I can, I, through the years I've been in plenty of situations where I'm not even going to, I'll just be honest with you. I'm, I'm sitting on something like a stick of dynamite and I'm thinking, I got the word to change this whole thing. I've been, I've been in those meetings recently where I thought, I know what to say. I know what to do right here, right now. What do I do in that situation? Absolutely nothing. You know what I tell God? I tell God, if you want me to give what I got, you get whoever's in charge to give me the nod. Because Holy Ghost knows how to talk to them and lead them 
to you. Does that make sense? If we don't have rules, if we don't have protocol, then we're always going to be crisscrossing one another. And it's going to be hard for people to zero in on where God is trying to take them. If you've got 400 people in the room, 400 people can hear from God. I believe we're all supposed to be prophetic. All of us. I believe that the one thing that Paul said, I never stop praying for believers, that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's prophetic. That's what we in our culture call prophetic, being prophetic. Are you listening? But not it's impossible for everyone in that one room at that one moment, 400 people to deliver what they got. And it's never going to be completely the same. So we have to take responsibility. Amen. And if you think somebody's missed it, it's perfectly okay for you to think I missed it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But what I am going to do is I'm going to perfect or protect the environment. So if you have something, we welcome that. But wait for the nod. Look for the nod. I, will, I hear from the Holy Ghost. I, I know which, in, a, in, in meetings, I know I'm known. I'm known in our circle of influence for knowing which way God wants to go in a gathering. I won't name drop, but I'm telling you, I'm known in our circle of influence for knowing how to direct a gathering. You understand? For, that means sensing, getting the taste in the air, the scent sensing the direction that God wants to go and then directing the corporate team to go in that direction. Now, I'm not spanking anyone. I just don't think that I've talked enough about protocol. Protocol is important. Do y'all get that? Yes. Not one single person today has said one single thing that was not from the Holy Spirit. I'm saying for the future so that we can better move corporately together. Let's remember protocols. Does that make sense? How about the rest of you? Does that make sense? Hold your offering up to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to sow into your kingdom. We do it because we want to. Because we believe. Because we want to invest in the kingdom of God. We want to invest in what you are doing in all of the earth. We want heaven manifested in absolutely every area of our life. We want the light, the life of God the waters of the river to flow into every crack and every crevice, every corner of our lives. So we give in Jesus name. Amen.
So if you need to come up, you can come up, drop it in the bucket if that's what you need to do. Now, real quick, I want to, while you're doing that, I want to make an announcement. Just put that slide up, Willie, whoever's in charge. Put that slide up. Um, we want to invite you to be a part of that. This is tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. This is an event that our, our friend Dutch Sheets is hosting I don't know if you can see that, but it's youtube.com slash Dutch, Dutch Sheets 22, and then facebook.com Dutch Sheets 22. Those are the two ways that you can find this meeting. That's seven o'clock, don't forget, seven o'clock Eastern time. Now, I'm not going to take time to tell you why. I'm just going to tell you that this is a prophetic uh, prayer assignment that uh, he is, um, has asked a few of us to go. Pastor April and I will be leaving, Apostle April and I will be leaving tomorrow morning uh, to, to fly to, uh, to, to Pennsylvania to be there for that and then some things on Tuesday. So pray for our travels. I didn't know he was gonna open this up like this. No, now knowing that he's opening up this, you need to watch this tomorrow night. You need to be a part of this. There's a church up there in the area. This has to do with some of the three. There's three separate prophetic dreams where God speaks about the headwaters of the Allegheny River. Um, many prophetic voices, students of history, American history, greater than I am, um, believe that the the. This area was like a birthplace of this nation, literally, uh, at the headwaters of the Allegheny River, that whole geographical era. era. Um, uh, so, you know what we want? We want what God wants. We have no agenda, no po political agenda. We want what God wants. We want light. We want transparency. We want truth. That's what we want. This is a prophetic prayer assignment with that in mind. Um, we believe that God has an agenda for the United States of America. We believe that there is a destiny for this country. We believe that the destiny of this nation is a dream in God's heart that is more important than the American dream. The American dream is a natural human aspiration. And there's nothing wrong with the American dream as long as the American dream doesn't go against heaven's dream for America. 62 million murdered unborn children is against heaven's dream. Any platform any party that supports murder of unborn and just born children is against heaven's dream for America. 
We're not trying to create anything new. We're believing God for movement that takes this nation back to her beginning. And B, based upon what the the founders of this nation wanted her to be. One nation under God. Under God. Under His authority. Under His influence. Under His opinion. Under His ideology. Under His philosophy. Under His ways of doing things. One nation under God. That's what we are believing God for. And these prayer assignments that Dutch, he's the most courageous man I know. He'll get up. He'll go anywhere. God moves on him. He'll go anywhere to release prophetic decree, to pray, to call forth destiny all over the place. I mean, and he's traveling and ministering all over the country. But then in between, he does all of these kinds of things. This is a golden opportunity for you to tap in to the the authority and the anointing that Dutch Sheets operates in. I consider this an honor. I didn't know that they were going to make this live. When we made arrangements, it was just going to be 20, 30 people showing up to do a thing. Are you listening? We're honored. We're honored to be on the invite list. Praise the Lord. So... But you can stay here at home and be a part of it. Please, I, I implore you. Riverside Church, if you consider yourself connected to this house, be on that tomorrow night. If you have to change plans, change plans. Oh, got quiet on me all of a sudden. Amen. Because there's no time or distance in the realm of the Spirit. I think I've already said that once today. There's not. There's people agreeing with us right now. You can agree with every word that is decreed and declared in that place and not leave your kitchen table. You can lean in and add your faith and be a part of that. Anyway. My wife asked me this morning, what are you going to teach on, preach on this morning. I said, sonship, of course. (laughs) What's it been for the last two or three months? It's sonship, so she just laughed. But more specifically, the family business. Can we talk about the family business? It's just something that God has been really stirring in my heart lately. This whole Idea. Are y'all ready for the word this morning? This whole idea of identity on multiple levels has absolutely not just renovated my life, it's renovated my thinking, which is what we want. Because you can temporarily renovate your life, but if you don't renovate your thinking, your life will go back to pre-renovated condition. It'll just naturally drift back. 
our identity, the way we see ourselves, the way we see God, the way we see things, must come into alignment with how he sees all of those things for us to have true, lasting movement in our relationship with God. That book that was rented, that was written from before the foundation of the earth was not so that you could live a happy-go-lucky, whimsical, free lifestyle where you get to just make all of your own decisions about the direction of your life. That's not what the book that God wrote is about. The book that God wrote about your life, Romans chapter 8 tells us, was written before the foundation of the earth that you would be conformed to the image of his son. That's Jesus, who became the firstborn of many brethren. Many brethren. Jesus is our goal. He's our picture. Jesus is the blueprint that we are to look at through the word of God. That's how we find out who Jesus is and what he is. That's how you see the blueprint. That's how you, that's how you compare the measurements. Are you listening? When we go through the renovation on this building, we take out that wall. It's more than just taking out that wall. We're going to have to put a $100,000 sprinkler system in the building. We have to redo all of the emergency exits. We have to remodel all of the restrooms because we'll have double the number of people. So codes requires you to have double of everything else. Right? Then there's other things that we're going to do. We'll be renovating, not this room is where our children's church is, but we're moving it to the next theater down, which will also function as a preschool learning center. Okay? We're also going to have a nice, handy-dandy green room right over here in this part of this so that our guests can walk straight into the sanctuary from a, a nice, comfortable green room space. Then we'll have in the rest of that room, sorry, what? No, no, it's okay, what? So then the, we're going to have, that's what I was fixing to say, chapel. It's going from green room into chapel where we'll have 100 chairs there. So all in all, I'm not going to tell you how many. They, they say that we can have 600 people in the building. We're more creative than that. But for code... That's what we're going with. So here's the thing. Before we can, once we do all of this, before we can be fully operational, there's going to be a person that represents some governmental 
municipal entity. He's going to come here and look at what we've done. He's going to unroll some blueprints. And the blueprints that he's going to be looking at are blueprints that were pre-approved. So the drawings, the blueprint must be approved first. Then the building must come into alignment with the blueprint. And when he comes to judge, what he's going to be judging is, does the new building look like the blueprint that was pre-approved. Jesus is the pre-approved blueprint. 100, it has to be. Maybe I'm forgetting one, but almost, it's got to be almost 100% of the people that I've had the privilege to lead into the new birth, people who got born again. As soon as they get born again, they have a question. You know what it is? What do I do now? And quite honestly, for most of my years of ministry, I told them to do the wrong things. I didn't know it, but I tried to make them religious. Not realizing that this ain't about religion. None of this is about religion. This is about kingdom. This is about relationship. This is about identity. You know what we do with people that get born again? We need to thrust them immediately into getting a grip on their identity. Are you listening? Every little kid knows when he sees a fireman in his uniform driving his fire truck, that child never says, what does he do? He knows what he does. He's a fireman. He looks like a fireman. He's functioning like a fireman. It's easy to deduce he's a fireman. When we take on our identity as sons and as daughters, what we are to do becomes an automatic reality. I wanted to know what to do. That's always what I want to know when I come into a new revelation, what to do. What do I do now? When the the prophetic word came to me about the apostolic call on my life, the next morning I was so relieved because I I knew I was a horrible pastor. I've been trying to be a pastor my whole adult life. I was terrible. I was nothing. I had some successes, but that's just the mercy of God. Are you listening? 
because he felt sorry for them and they needed help. So he found a way, you know, but I'll never forget that next morning, the feeling I had two feelings. One was relief. Oh my God. Thank you. I have been delivered from pastorship. Nothing wrong with pastors. If you're a pastor, The second question was, what do I do now? And, and, but God didn't start. He didn't. Can, can I say this? Strategy, what to do, is just now surfacing after almost four years. What to do? The thing I wanted to know. Can we talk about what to do? What to do? What to do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? This, this. What do I do? What do I do? I just want to talk about what to do. Tell me what to do. God did not want to talk to me about what to do. You know what he did talk to me about? Who to be. Who to be. I feel I don't care what election is going on in the world. God's never going to move us away from the process of finding out who we are in him. And we have to continue to build the processes. People text me messages. I got four different messaging programs. I woke up this morning. I went to bed last night. I woke up this morning. I have 57 messages waiting on me. All of them about what? Most of them. Amen. But, and that is important. We're in the push. We're a part of the push for the destiny of America. I don't apologize for that. Are you listening? But I don't care if Adolf Hitler gets resurrected from the dead. You know what I'm going to be thinking about? What am I to be and what am I to do? Are you listening? Because God loves to make his people great in the midst of adversity. God, I just think God, God loves a good fight. Now, I'm too impatient to watch a whole fight, 15 rounder or whatever it is. It takes too long. I get too bored too easy. I want what? I want the highlights. Are you listening? And I enjoy the highlights of a good fight. Now, in my day, there were two. Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard. Both of them had fast hands and fast feet, and both of them were big showboats. Are you listening? So when they roll up on Facebook, I watch, but I only watch the highlights because yeah. I still appreciate a good fight. I think, I think God is not afraid to fight. I think God loves to show off his ecclesia. He loves, he loves 
to show off what his sons and his daughters can do. He's not afraid of a fight. And that's not pride. I'm not talking about from a prideful or an arrogant kind of flow because none of that's in God. I'm just saying, he's not afraid to fight. That was a good word, Lisa, about fear. We need to run off fear. We need, to, we need to analyze. We need to make sure that there's no fear here. Fear is not allowed to be a part of our context. The family business that the adopted sons and daughters have a part in. It's a believing business. That's why I came to church last Sunday. I'd already asked Gina to preach, really just because I was tired. But then I got here and I got, you know, got ticked off at the devil. I needed to clarify some things. You know what we're here for? We're here to believe. Our part in God's business is faith. We are to believe the words of the prophets. The prophetic voices that God has put in our lives. The written word, your Bible in your lap. John's holding his Bible. That is a prophetic word. That's the word of the Lord. If we didn't have prophetic ministry, we wouldn't have a Bible. And the prophetic words are still coming forward. Our job is to believe the words that God is saying. That's really what we do. That's why we pray. That's why we'll gather as an ecclesia here within the next couple of months. And we're going to all load up maybe on a Friday night or something. And we're going to go up to Janet Douglas and, and christen her new building that she has. She don't know that yet, but we're talking about it. I'm sure she's watching. Are you listening? We're not going necessary, necessarily up there to deliver some new words. We're going to go up there as the Riverside Ecclesia, and we're going to mix our faith with the words of the Lord that she's already received and has already been decreed over her place, over her region. We're going to go what? Add our faith. A decree, a declaration is the release of your faith. We're going to go all over this region. We're going to set up hubs, satellites, And it's going to be for people to gather together to pray, but to primarily add their faith to the word of the Lord and release it into those geographical areas. Yeah. You're not ecclesia. You're not apostolic if you're not of faith. Yeah. You're a releaser of faith. You're a transporter of faith. You come into agreement with what he has said. You take that spirit of agreement 
and go wherever Holy Spirit leads you to and you release that agreement with the words of your mouth. Those are transporters of your faith because there's only one thing that pleases God. One thing that pleases God. Can somebody tell me what it is? When a, when a young believer says, how do I live a life that pleases God? The answer is simple. Believe. Believe his words. Believe his words are truer than your history, truer than your background, truer than the bondage you just got delivered from, truer than the generational curses that have been in, set in place in your life all these years, truer Truer than your weaknesses. Truer than the circumstances that you're looking at. Believe that His words are true. And it starts all the way back at that cross. I'm, I'm lodged. God has me lodged in Romans 6, 7, and 8. I can't get out of 6, 7, and 8 Romans. I can't get out of it. Read it in some modern translations. I like the Passion Translation. If you don't like the Passion Translation, read it in King James. However you want. Right now, I like Passion Translated. The, the Passion Translation. 6, 7, and 8. Because 6, 7, and 8 is the revelation that it's all been completed on that cross. Every believer's got to start there. We don't stay there. See, some people stay at some religious people. They stay at the foot of the cross. And they write songs and, you know, hymns and things about the foot of the cross. He didn't bring you. He brought you through the cross. He didn't bring you to the cross. Sons don't stay at the place of death and brokenness. Sons pass through that and get into the, the, the life of God that elevates and resurrects them into newness of life that is in Christ Jesus. Newness of life that is in who? Who's Christ Jesus? He's the first son. Are you hearing me? So what are we going to do in the midst of this mess? And any other mess that comes along out in the world, what are we going to do? We're going to keep on being the believing ecclesia, the doing ecclesia, the receiving ecclesia, the sending ecclesia. We're going to keep on being sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. We're going to be who we are and not be moved by what we see. We're not going to be moved by what happens out in the world. None of the people that I know that are doing great things for God are doing one single thing because they are afraid that something bad is going to happen if they don't. Our motivation is not fear. I'm not afraid that America's going to hell. I'm not doing one thing because I'm afraid that this country is going to hell in a handbasket or like a snowball head of a head. 
Listen, Merle Haggard had it wrong. I love all these blank faces. They have no idea who Merle Haggard is. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in Merle Haggard, snowball headed for hell. You'll find what I'm talking about. He had it wrong. He's looking at things. Isn't that a great example, though? Think about it. He's looking at, he sees the condition of the land. And he's expressing his fear. And he's saying, is it really the end of the American way? Is it, is it, is it really? And he's, it, it, it's because it, re, it, it represents, he's, he's representing an ideology of Americanism. Are you listening? But our, that's not our ideology. That's not our perspective. I'm not, I'm not doing one single thing because of fear. We need to make sure, Lisa, that we're not doing things motivated by some level of fear. This works perfectly with my message. We are faith people. He's a faith God. The family business is a believing business. If he sends you to a place, he's not sending you to a place. We got to get past this. You ready? He's not... He's not raised you up to send you to go start a church somewhere. Well, wait. Isn't this place called Riverside Church? Yes. Are you going to change it? No. It's too much trouble and it costs too much money. You're just going to have to get over it. I'm not changing the name. We've done that once. I'm not, I'm not changing the name. I am changing the focus. We're going to go down to Dixon with a group of people. We're going to start us an apostolic hub down there. We're going to do one in Bowling Green. Probably going to do one somewhere in between here in Bowling Green. And many others. Are you listening? But we're not going to start churches. I've been adamant from the beginning. We are not going to start another church. What are you going to call it? I don't know yet. But it ain't going to be Riverside Church. Are you listening? Because if God is sending us there, he's not sending us there to, to be religious and recruit people into our version our religious version of church. He's sending us there. He's not even really sending us there to recruit. People are going to come. When people see the light, they feel the freedom, they get a chance to jump ship on religion, they will come, they will connect. But we're really not going to develop those environments to collect people. We're going to send people into those environments to do what? To release their faith in God's word, written and prophetic. Because the family business is a faith business. What are we doing? We can't lose sight. I don't even watch the news. I can't stand to watch the news because it 
it, it gets my eyes. It just, it takes my mind. It, it, it draws on, my, on the carnal part of my mind that we all have to deal with. Well, what are you going to do if such and such happens to end up being the president? What are you going to do? I mean, you know, she's already declared, said, we coming after y'all. Your carnal mind. So what, well, what, I wonder how that's going to work. Then faith rises up and says, get the hell behind me, Satan. Now, if you have any little bit of religion, you probably just felt it. <laughs> just a little tester there. If you get a little bit of religion, you might need to check on that religion meter there. He said, hell. The Bible says hell. It is hell. What the enemy's trying to do is hell. And we've got keys. To deal with hell. When that stuff comes, you know what you have to do? You have to stop. You have to shift gears out of your mind, out of your worry, out of your fear. Get down in your heart where faith is and begin to say what the Word of God declares is true. That's what you do. Say what God says. You don't have to make anything up. Say what God says. Because that's what sons and daughters of the kingdom do. That's what the family business is. It's taking the truth of the word of God and being carriers of it and go wherever God leads you to or go wherever you already are. Miracles would happen in some families if they quit worrying and fussing with each other and just start saying what God's word says about their family. Quit trying to make the devil's case for him in your family. Look at your neighbor. That's good preaching right there. See, we're in a process. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now, may the God... Now, I love, I'm doing a little, here's a little side note. This isn't my sermon. This is an interesting side note. It says, now may the, may the God of peace, the God of peace. I've been, you know, I, I like to have things sorted properly. I understand that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They all, that's, they're all God. They are one. In that they are all God. They're distinct persons. But they're one. They're God. But I've recognized in the word. And I've been asking the Lord. Who am I talking to right now? Because you know Jesus said anything you ask the Father in my name. Holy Spirit will give it to you. I like order. Don't you like order? God has protocol too. Jesus said when Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to talk about himself. He's going to remind you of what I've taught you. He's going to remind you of what? What I've taught you. What's that? 
the word. That's the main thing Holy Spirit does. He leads you into the truth of the word. Right? Jesus said, I've got to go because if I go, then the Father, he's going to send you another paraclete. They had this wonderful, this wonderful honor. And then I had this thought, we need that level of honor in the house. Don't we need that level of honor where we can defer to one another in honor? And we do, we do, we have that. But then I was looking at this verse. Why didn't he say, and the father of peace? Or the spirit of peace. He does in other places. Or the son, wasn't the son. He said, God, there's a word, a Hebrew word that fits the idea of, of what I'm pointing out here. In the Old Testament, it didn't have vowels. And, and um, some Hebrew scholars wouldn't even say it, the actual word. And translators wouldn't translate it. They translated it, the word Lord. The Lord. But the Hebrew word really brings out the essence of what what we see, what we read, when we see New Testament authors use the word God instead of the Father or the Son or the Holy Spirit. And the word is Yahweh. Yahweh was the holiest expression of God. They wouldn't write it. They wouldn't say it. They acknowledged it. And it can't even really be pronounced because it's all consonants. So translators have kind of tucked a couple of uh, vowels, right? Vowels. You thought I forgot, didn't you? You you did. You did. A school teacher. She said, Fowls. <laughs> Yahweh. And, when it was, and that's all of God so, so holy and sanctified. It's akin to when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed. Hallowed. That's the word hagiazo, hallow or hallowed. And it, and it takes, in order for what I'm fixing to read to be, to happen, it's not just one or the other of God. It's every expression of God in the word God. Now, the God, so now... Every expression of God, of of the God of peace and harmony, set you apart. Say that. Set you apart. There is a thing that God is doing. He sets us apart. Paul recognized this and encouraged these Thessalonian believers. 
Now may the God, the full expression of God, the God of peace and harmony, set you apart, making you completely holy. And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Talk about a powerful process. My question would be this, what is God in the fullness of his expression, what is he setting you apart to? What is he setting you apart for? And what does it mean to be holy, completely holy? God's will is for you to be completely holy. Now again, if you have any remaining religious twinges and you hear holiness, something may be getting exposed right now. Because a lot of people have an erroneous idea of what holiness is. Holiness is not sinless. Holiness has nothing to do with behavior. Holiness has to do with identity. As he is holy, be you holy as he is. Let me ask you a question. Does God have issues with sin? God has issues with sin? Like adultery? Does he steal? Does he lie? He has, he, he, his identity is not composed of what he is or what he is not. He is who he is. These scriptures are saying, as he is, be that. And that God in the fullness of his expression is in this process. This is how important this is. This process of setting you apart. Setting you apart from religiosity. Setting you apart from your history. Setting you apart from your weakness. From your failed, failure. Setting you apart. Setting you apart from, but setting you apart into and for what? Into your identity. I'm telling you, the fact is, if you can, if you can come to the realization... Of who you are. That's why 16 or 6, 7, 8 of Romans is so important because he's establishing who you are not and who you now are and why. I'm telling you, we need to all meditate 6, 7, 8 Romans. Meditate it. Read it over and over again in every. Am I hearing music? Read it, reread it, read it in multiple translations, eat the hay, leave the sticks, but read it, digest it. Allow Holy Spirit to take that truth 
and penetrate your perspective, penetrate your identity. I'm telling you, you, you don't have to teach sinners not to sin if you don't teach them that they are sinners. People do what you teach them they are. That's why religion keeps people in bondage. Because it always wants to browbeat them about their sin. You're we're just a sinner saved by grace. We are not sinners saved by grace. We were sinners. But now we've been saved by grace. We're not on the sin side anymore. That is not my identity. Now I can do one of two things. I can relate to what I used to be or I can relate to who God says I am. And now is the beginning of the reason why we walk by faith. It all starts here. It's going to be hard for you to believe God and release the favor of God to change nations when you have not yet accepted and can declare your identity on this side of that cross. Identity. Because it's, it's the security of our identity that God uses in those situations that change the world around us. You understand? Something permeates from us when we are secure in our identity as sons and daughters. That's why I often say, Jesus, I know I say these same things over again, but I just ain't sure you're still getting it yet. Amen. Jesus, did you notice there was nothing that Jesus prayed for? He blessed the food, but he didn't pray about his needs. He didn't pray to change his circumstances. He didn't pray and speak to the water before he walked on it. He just walked off the, off the land onto the water. And, and because of who he was, the water, the molecular structure of the water changed to accommodate his identity. That's deep. But that's real. He didn't pray, did he, John? John's a scholar. He didn't pray for those things. He went in his identity and was who he is wherever he was. Whatever the circumstance, whatever. That kept him free from religion. He never taught religion. He didn't talk religion to anybody. That's why they got frustrated with him. Because every conversation, he tried to pull him into kingdom. I don't talk about that. But if you want to talk about this, it seemed like he was being rude. There were some occasions. It was like, I thought, Jesus, you're rude. He asked you a question. You did not answer that question. You ignored him. You act like he didn't answer that question. You just went a different way. He wasn't rude. He just didn't get outside of his lane. What will happen when we learn to just not be pulled out of our lane? What's our lane? Who we are. 
The purpose for the work of holiness. It's interesting that this word set apart in your King James, it sanctify ye, is, is hagiazo. It, its root word is hagios, which is the word translated holiness. Hagiazo is also the word that Jesus used when he said, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. He said, we, listen, we hagiazo, you, your character, your authority. That's what name means. Look it up in your Strong's Concordance, character and authority. We sanctify your name. We sanctify, really what we're doing is we're sanctifying ourselves unto your name, hagiazo. So there's this divine reciprocation that takes place we hagiazo him, and then in return, he hagiazos us. That's that sanctify you completely in your whole spirit, soul, and body. We, we sanctify him. Why? Listen, when, when, we, when we sanctify ourselves unto the Father, we're acknowledging his identity. Part of my, my faith declaration on my faith declaration list, I put this in here. I just put it just like this. I am my father's son. I look like my daddy, and I act just like my daddy. That's my faith confession. Now, I have natural kids. How many of you, your spouse has said, he acts just like you? Right? D Come on, y'all. Any of your kids act just like you? And some of them look like me. My kids, they, there's no way I could deny them. They look, all look just like me. Right? I say that because that's where my expectation is. That I, I use my faith because I realize how important my identity is. I say, I look just like my daddy. I, I'm, it's, that's daddy. The word daddy is... Is, is translated from Hebrew, originally in Hebrew. Then in Greek, it's Abba. That's where we get our term daddy comes from Abba. That's the, that's the word that Paul uses in Romans chapter 8, talking about the Father. The Holy Spirit is dealing with us. And, and I love the uh, Passion Translation. It says that the Holy Spirit um, whispers into our heart the reality of our Father, Abba. So I just started calling him daddy. Now I had to get past a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It felt funny in the beginning because I thought, am I being irreverent? He's the father. God of the universe. And it, it, it felt a little flippant. Maybe irreverent. But Holy Spirit said, no, say it just that way. Because that's how God identifies with us. We're his sons. We're his daughters. We're the carriers of the family business. He is our daddy. He's Abba. He's interested. If we had a football team, he'd be at Friday night football. We, we were talking about the other day, we both had kids that played 
High school football. We miss high school football. We're thinking about we might just find somebody who's got a kid on the team and go. Because <laughs> that's what mamas and daddies do. Football or soccer or whatever. I mean, when they come home from school and they got this drawing they made in school and they say, look, I drew a picture of you. And you're like, that, thank you so much. <laughs> you're thankful that they thought of you. You're not so convinced that they did the greatest job of translating. You know what I'm saying? Like you're shaped like a ball and you got hands and feet. That'd be me and Travis, right, Travis? But listen, he wants us to be inclined to him as daddy. Because fathers make sons. So we have to gather what the word teaches us about our identity. We have to say it. We have to declare it. We have to recite it back unto our father. We have to listen to him. That's what Jesus did. He got off in the wilderness with his father. That's the only way he could say, I don't do anything lest I see my father first do it. I don't hear any. I don't say it. If I didn't hear him say it, where did he do? He had those conversations up in the mountain somewhere. He was so disciplined to stay in his identity lane that he would often sneak away from the rest and go find him a secret place where he could Psalm 91 take on his identity. Can you say amen? Say this out loud. Say, by faith, faith, I take on and walk in my share share of my portion portion and inheritance inheritance that Jesus provided for me me through the shedding of his blood, through his his death, through through his resurrection, And through his being seated at our Father's right hand. Make that declaration constantly. Because that's the root system of our identity in him. And from that root system, a fruitfulness of identity will begin to flow. Then Romans 5.17 said, For if one man's offense, death reigned through the one much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. Kingdom. That's based upon our identity. Will reign in life through one Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Did you get anything from this today? How about giving God a great big hand clap for the word?